this is episode 136 of Alohomora for May 9th, 2015. Welcome, listeners, back to another episode of Alohomora, MuggleNet.com's global reread of the Harry Potter series. I'm Michael Harley. I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Kat Miller. And our very special fan host today is our friend, M. Mackey, from Sydney, Australia. Say hello to our listeners, M. Hello, everybody. Tell them a little bit about yourself. Um, so I'm 19. I am a arts, theater, and history student at the University of Sydney. Um, and as for like my Harry Potter journey, I actually started reading the books when I was like four or five, um, and kind of found MuggleNet maybe two or three years later, started listening to MuggleCast when it came out. So I was nine. I figured that out recently and I was like, (laughs) oh my gosh, like, yeah, that's a long time of my life. Um, yeah. And just have been absolutely completely immersed ever since that kind of rabbit hole experience. So you must be pretty excited to talk to Eric Skull today. Yeah, a little bit. It's been a bit funny. To- <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> she was hiding it really well. You must really be excited well. to talk Harry Potter today. <laughs> yes, okay. absolutely. What house are you? I'm a Slytherin, but also Ooh. I've been cosplaying Hermione since before I even knew what cosplay was. <laughs> so I've got a complete Gryffindor costume. So it's a bit like Eric in his situation. There you go. <laughs> well... Eric, you represent Gryffindor today, and M, you're Slytherin, and we have the uh, all four. Yay. I love how that works. <laughs> yeah, Eric, you're the flip-flop. So if, if Michael yeah. or Rosie isn't here, then you get to be the Gryffindor. I mean, yeah. the Hufflepuff, but if they're here, you're the Gryffindor. That's the Hufflepuff. Yeah, yeah, that's Hello, how it works. Eric, I was so proud uh, to see that you wore your Hufflepuff tie to the studio tour. The studio tour? Yes. I was, yes, I, I was going to be really sad if you wore your Gryffindor attires. So no, I was no, very no. happy to see you representing Hufflepuff. Well, I, I, they matched it. They paired it with a, a pair of robes, which I don't own, and I was able to, to do my Quidditch and riding the broom as a Hufflepuff. So I'm apparently a Hufflepuff keeper now. I've learned that about myself. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because when we were there, I, d- I didn't realize how many Hufflepuffs we have on staff, actually, because we took, <laughs> like, we group, we took photo. group photos, and the Hufflepuff one was huge. <laughs> it was huge. We barely fit in the Great Hall. That's how many Hufflepuffs are on MuggleNet staff now. But, um, but uh, yeah, it's actually great to be back on Alohomora since then and prepping... Uh, <laughs> prepping. Prepping. Prepping and peppering. In preparation. Uh, it was none of those words, Michael. <laughs> uh, in, in preparation for uh, this chapter that we're reading, I, of course, had to go back and reread all of the other chapters that I'd missed since that trip, so... Uh, it's good to be back, but uh, it's good to be back doing this this uh, book six stuff. Micah was right and when he guest hosted. He was he said he said you guys were slacking. That's what it was. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> well, uh, if you know on on Mogocast, we uh, did a chapter by chapter segment, which is sort of like a spirit brother or like a precursor to what we do on a little more. We do we do it a lot better on this show, but <laughs> uh, chapter by chapter, we kind of gave up midway through book five. So <laughs> there's, there's certain chapters that have it, it, suffice to say, uh, a little more has far exceeded uh, the initial the dream, I should say. And uh, it's thrilled to finally go back and, and do – the book, of course, came out 10 years ago. 
when M was nine, and uh, <laughs> has, has been out ever since. And it's nice to, even for me, it's nice to delve back into the book uh, to be doing that on this show because we did it the first time ten years ago. So a lot has changed, and of course the series has been complete, and I'm just, I get all nostalgic, but at the same time really, really involved in, in all the stuff we're going to talk about today. Which is... Which is chapter 18. <laughs> Birthday surprises. <laughs> nice setup. Thank you, Michael. And there is at least one birthday surprise, but you know there's more than that because it's plural in this chapter that we're talking about. But as usual, before we head on to this week's chapter, we're going to talk about some topics that were brought up from all of you lovely listeners from our last week's episode, which is chapter 17 of Half-Blood Prince. Our first comment here comes from the queer Weasley cousin, and it says... Is it possible to use memories as proof in court? Hmm. If I'm accused of murder, can I bring memories that exculpate me? Or the opposite, can I prove someone guilty with my memories of them convicting the crime? Would it then be possible to force people to show their memories of what really happened? This seems really problematic to me, and I'd be glad if it wasn't possible, but on the other hand, it seems appropriate to take away someone's soul if the ministry thinks they are dangerous, i.e., Serious Crouch Jr. So I don't see why it would be illegal. Maybe it's just unnecessary because they have to use Veritaserum. Do they use this in court? So this comment stemmed from our discussion last week about memories and how they're manipulated and how they're used and how, you know, the whole slughorn bit. So what do you guys think? Um, I definitely know rolling addressed Veritaserum is a big no. Because she said really? that, pe- yeah, she said that wizards can either have taken an antidote prior if they know that they're going to court, Ooh. or oh, they can actually wait. magically seal off their throat so they won't drink it. Wait, wait, <laughs> what? Yeah, wait, where, did this come from Pottermore? I think it did. I, it's canon. I know it's canon. I've read it before. Magically seal your throat. Yeah, you can- How will you breathe? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but that I guess. Well, you know, I I mean, yeah, that would present problems, but... Wait a minute, but you don't breathe and drink through the same tube. No, yeah, that's just it. You'd be closing Uh, off your... You wouldn't be closing off your vocal cords. Um, Right. Well, there's that. So, but that... uh, Memories, I I mean, memories, I would assume, that Slughorn's tampered memory is proof of why they Mm. don't use them in court, right? Yeah. Well, it depends on whether or not you decide that you can tamper with, like, pre memory extraction or post-memory extraction because if you make them take the memory out in court then that you can kind of assume that they haven't tampered with it post but yeah that's a that's a good point that's a good point although although that that goes off the assumption that you can't temper with tamper with the memory while it's still inside your yeah exactly and you guys had a massive discussion last week on that (laughs) right um i think with last week you know there's the memory of uh morphin uh, Gaunt that is used actually Dumbledore uses his own memory to try and clear him mm. and the the ministry is kind of they aren't immediately their response is not to immediately uh, exonerate him they right they're deciding on it when he dies eventually because they're like Dumbledore tries to get him out of jail but it takes too long so I think that might offer insight into the process you can certainly use memories in court because Dumbledore did in that case um, but I, I think, yeah, with Slughorn's memory too, Dumbledore tells Harry that it's a very crude version of, you know, kind of covering his tracks. It's possible, and I think it's even implied 
that you could do a better job of changing your memory and of hiding what is fabricated and what is not. I think that's possible. But the question is, again, you know, is it before or after you take it out of your head? Hmm. See, yeah, I, and I had always assumed that you mess with a memory in your head. Um, Ooh, see, I'm the opposite. Hmm. Well, because I think Rowling has, cause Rowling has said that the, the pensive memories that Harry sees, there's like, the one thing she's confirmed about that is that those memories are exactly like they're a true representation of what happened mm-hmm. um there's no there's no like the the memory is skewed by a viewpoint mm-hmm. um it's completely true um so i and i from what i gather the the pensive itself doesn't seem at least as far as we know the pensive doesn't have any way of messing up a memory but but you're assuming that the pensive is the only thing your memory can go into yeah, that's true. I, I don't know if you can, like, you know, add a, pe- a memory to a potion, which sounds like a well, horrible I mean, idea. Or... Well, I mean, you can put them in vials, and if you can put it in a vial, why couldn't you mess with it in it the while vial? it's in the vial, yeah, you yeah. can put it in, like, a extractor, or like, a, one of those machines that whizzes it really fast <laughs> until it dilutes it. Well, yeah, and I guess yeah. that makes sense to ponder it, considering it's Slughorn, whose memory's been messed with, somebody who's actually really good at Potions. At potion mm. making and kind yeah. of diluting the substance or that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. I always thought that the the fog was and I saw I think some people commented this same comment, but I always thought the fog was just essentially a representation of his guilt. So that that's so that it was internal, that it came from him. Um I mean that yeah, there's there isn't because there's no I don't think Rowling has spoken about that. But she did. I did find well, she did confirm about Veritaserum. That was through her. That was through her website. Her old website. Of course, the great yeah, one, the cool, the one. better one. Well, <laughs> <laughs> cool moving on with the topic of memories and the pensive, um, we have a great comment here from Hufflepuff Skeen. It jumps ahead in this book a little bit, but it's very relevant. So I think this is a this is a good a good one to come up here. It says, "I think that the basin in Voldemort's cave is actually a pensive." perhaps a makeshift one made by Voldemort, rather than one professionally made. It is described as having runes around the edge, just like Dumbledore's, perhaps just like the runes one needs to put on it to ensure that one can re-enter memories. Wow. (laughs) And I think that the liquid that Dumbledore drinks is full of memories. Instead of a liquid that makes him relive his worst memories, as I think is the most widely held idea, what if the liquid is actually like that which fills Dumbledore's pensive, but is full of Voldemort's memories? What if, like Dumbledore storing memories or copies in his pensive, Voldemort placed his memories of all the people he had killed or all the terrible things he had to do for the rebirthing or all the things he had to do to create the Horcruxes in his cave basin slash pensive? And the agony that Dumbledore feels is not in response to reliving his own worst memories, but in having to relive or experience all of the excruciatingly awful things Voldemort has done over his lifetime. As Noah asked, he would be drinking someone else's memories, living them if he had plunged his head in, and the pain of seeing them incapacitated him. So this came from Noah's question, can you drink memories? And I think this theory is amazing. I'd never thought of that before. I I think it's definitely points for ingenuity, but I think that to Voldemort, they are not his worst memories or like his terrible memories. He cherishes every person he has killed. He cherishes being an evil badass. <laughs> and he would not share 
those personal memories mm. with, with the public or with a stranger. He wouldn't put him in a cave for anybody to find because that would make him vulnerable. Even even um, if it would destroy somebody? Oh, he doesn't have that kind, of, that kind of understanding. I don't think he thinks that way of, I'm going to browbeat and break down the nice do-gooder who comes in and finds my horcrux by supplying the memories of all my evil deeds. <laughs> A nice do-gooder <laughs> who finds his horcrux. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, I, I really don't think he thinks that way. I think it, mm. it's, I, it, I, I don't have the answers. I don't know what it is that's in the, in the memory. I mean, I think it's, I think it's very clearly, I think, uh, Rowling has answered that he was reliving like some stuff with Ariana or something yeah. when he was muttering. Um, and we could talk about it, of course, when the chapter comes, but I think it's very unlikely that Voldemort would share that much of himself, uh, even if it's for like a, a trap or a test. He would yeah. much more, he would much more than likely, uh, surround it with corpses, with reanimated corpses. Oh, wait, uh, that, he did that, do that. <laughs> that do his <laughs> bidding. <laughs> exactly. Exactly my point. Then share anything that would put himself at greater risk. Um, but, but can you drink a memory? I don't see what good it would do you. Make make you a little gassy. I don't think you can just because it's not. It's disc- memories are described. I think because it's hard to picture, but memories are described as a mixture of a liquid and a gas. Um, so I don't think you could like if you did consume them. I I don't think anything would happen. Because um, there's you know when we we've seen people put memories back in. I believe Snape. It ostensibly puts his memories back in his head in Order of the Phoenix. Dumbledore does too. Yeah, yeah. There's there are scenes where they put them back in, and they have to put them back in their head. Um, so I'm assuming taking uh, it's a, a memory. Yeah, like even though you can put them in a, even though you can bottle them and put them in a vial, like they can be contained in a container. I I think they're they specifically belong in either a container or your brain. So that would destroy brain. them drinking them. I think maybe it's, maybe it's like, uh, the ghosts in Casper where they'd just be like in you, but you'd have to like get them out somehow. (laughs) I don't know. Just thinking of stretch fat. Beautiful 90s reference right there. Thank you. (laughs) Um, no, but like, uh, I, it is magic that causes memories to be, uh, malleable. (laughs) Um, to begin with, right? Because I mean, muggles, we never, there's nothing in the real world that suggests that, we can carry memories around uh, with us. So I think that same magic quality makes it so that it, you can't eat or drink it. Um, memories aren't used in like any kind of potion making, right? Do we know memories? Of? The only other use of memories and magic is for Patronus, right? Although that's kind of a milky ghost, ghost-like substance. Well, and memories, that gets back to a question we had asked long before about memories um, about when you take them out of your head, do you retain a copy or do you lose mm-hmm. them completely? Because then if you put them in the basin, how would you be aware that you had the mm-hmm. memory that that gets really complicated? So, um, right. yeah, there, uh, and that's something Rolling still hasn't answered either. So yeah, there, there's stuff about like whether, I, how, how I the memory, the whole purpose, I, I thought the whole purpose of the pensive was to rid your mind of all those extra thoughts, right? Like, Dumbledore specifically yeah, Dumbledore uses it that way. Yeah, Dumbledore specifically uses it that way. I think is it during uh, book four, so that he can prevent he can uh, work with Karkaroff, forgetting that he's like this former Death Eater or whatever. So my guess would be that you do forget it. Although with Slughorn and the the events of last chapter, 
uh, Dumbledore specifically said that the memory, he thinks the real memory is still in there somewhere. Um, because it like the fact that Slughorn carries this guilt, and I love the idea that the fog in his memories is guilt, uh, clouding the whole scene, th- is, is uh, that he remembers telling the person who w- eventually became Lord Voldemort about Horcruxes, which, n- you know, nobody's supposed to know about, um, and are like the darkest, most evil thing you could possibly do. The fact that he is responsible for that and, and possibly caused Voldemort to commit deaths specifically for that purpose, I mean, how many deaths do you think he did before he got it right, um, is the guilt that means that Slughorn, when he takes that memory out, is still, there is a trace mm-hmm. of it. There is a trace that says it's almost connected to Slughorn's identity. Like, I have committed this grievous sin, this grievous crime, and no matter how much he tweaks the memory, his his nature, the fact that he committed this terrible thing, can't be removed mm-hmm. or hasn't been by him. Yeah. I mean, even if you can drink memories, don't, guys. That's Don't drink people's <laughs> memories. That's rude. <laughs> I'm sure they're not yummy. I'm sure they're not, they're yeah, not worth the yeah. calories. Ooh, this one's vanity taste. <laughs> this yeah. one tastes like sadness. Caramelized memories. (laughs) Yuck. Mm. Don't do that, guys. That's the next thing they're going to be selling at the Wizarding World Park. (laughs) They got fire whiskey. (laughs) They're going to sell memories. Which is actually alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? I can't try it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could, but I'm not going to. (laughs) All right. Since you brought up uh, teenage Voldemort, I guess we'll uh, go on to our next comment from Enough Effing Owls. It says, in this chapter, meaning the last chapter, Dumbledore mentions people who went to school at the same time as Tom being reluctant to talk about him. I'm sure this has been discussed before, although honestly, I don't think it has. But I'm still really unclear about how many people know Voldemort's real identity. It seems like everyone who went to school with him would know who he became since he started using the new moniker while at school. That's a significant number of people who I expect would tell other people. But it seems like in reality, most of the Wizarding World isn't aware of Voldemort's true identity. Maybe I'm exaggerating this whole thing, but it seems like a pretty big discrepancy to me, particularly because we know how quickly word gets around in Hogwarts about things no one is supposed to know about. Harry, what happened between you and Professor Quirrell is a complete secret. So, naturally, the whole school knows. (laughs) Smiley face. (laughs) Happy happy Dumbledore. (laughs) Um, I think for this one, we're forgetting two things. One, it's kind of a... I don't want to say Hogwarts is a closed community because that kind of, it's like sideways to the point. But think about how many students outside your house you actually interact with um, when you're at Hogwarts. Like even in mixed classes, Harry, and Harry's not a you know, completely perfect example of every student at Hogwarts, but it's still he still keeps himself fairly to the Gryffindors um, with the exception of you know the DA, which Voldemort, I don't know if how far Voldemort tried recruiting people, but if you're looking at last chapter for evidence too, a lot of the uh, boys who admire him, a lot of the other students are uh, what Electo and Goyle and some of the people who would become his Death Eaters, and so the people who used Voldemort's Voldemort name or would have used Voldemort's Voldemort name uh, ended up being his inner circle anyway, and those are people who aren't you know, available in the public to remember. But, uh, okay, so let's pretend that Joe's right and there's a thousand people at Hogwarts. (laughs) So wouldn't you expect at least the approximately 250 Slytherins to know about it? 
Uh, actually, what is it? Uh, this chapter, the one, the new one that we're reading, I think it's hundreds uh, currently. I think somebody says, I forget what it is, if it's the love potion, something about that. Somebody says hundreds of students in this chapter. But still, uh, I think the whole... We have a very biased perspective because Dumbledore says to Harry in the last chapter that after he had killed his father, he dropped that name entirely. Clearly, I think the student or the teachers would have still called him Tom that last year of his school. <laughs> He's not going to be like, Lord Voldemort, no, Professor, <laughs> Professor McGonagall, I require you to call me Lord Voldemort. Uh, trust me, uh, you, you'll, you'll get it eventually. Like, no, I, the I tea is that, silent. He was still known as Tom for everybody except the... It was a cool name for his cool friends to call him that. And I, I think he still would have kept Tom as a convention uh, to teachers and strangers, I think, at that point. Just <laughs> well, they I think he'd they have just, to. They yeah. would have just gone to school with him for six years, and all of a sudden he asked to be called Lord Voldemort. Next thing you know, Lord Voldemort's killing people and terrorizing people in the news. Like, I think that would cause many people to go forward and be like, yeah, I knew this dude. But I think if he did it secretively, just talking from like a secret code name perspective. If you've got this evil wizard who's budding and who's coming out, Lord Voldemort, and they don't recognize that name, then they can very it's like it's not as easy to be like, oh, that's just Tommy Boy. Like I'm beginning to think me. you have first hand experience with this Eric. <laughs> no, I'm just guessing. You know, like mm-hmm. if if people didn't know and people have forgotten surely by the later years, by Harry's uh first and second year at Hogwarts, Dumbledore's the one who says, uh not many people know this, or people have forgotten that uh, Tom, Lord Voldemort was once a boy called Tom Riddle, and it, it's sort of something that he tries to drive home all the time. But I think that people generally want to forget that Voldemort was actually mortal once, and Voldemort wants to forget. But but while he had to be, I think that uh, he would have still gone by Tom. And in fact, I'm trying to remember, but when Voldemort comes back to ask for a job. I think there's a, a comment in that quote from book seven about Vol- Dumbledore mentions his name, mm-hmm. but is still but is still calling him Tom. But is still say- he says something like, "You want to be called something else now?" So maybe that just goes against what I said, or maybe that's kind of when it was he's like twenty or twenty one and he's changed his face and lost a nose. Like then maybe that's why he he starts going really strongly publicly by Lord Voldemort instead of his his Muggle name. I think the book does a really good job of, I think this is an, an almost too good of a job of showing that the Slytherins, more than any of the other houses, keeps to themselves. Um, they don't spread things to the other houses. I think that's especially well shown in book five with the DA, the fact that no Slytherins are participants. Um, and so I can't imagine the even spreading it outside of the Slytherin common room but it's pretty well explained that Tom was, you know, he he very carefully cherry-picked who he wanted around him. And I think he was, you know, pretty clear to those who were in his inner circle not to share things. I mean, he killed a student. <laughs> so he had a basilisk in the basement that was working on his command and it would seem, based on information from Pottermore, that at least his inner circle knew about that. Um, so, yeah, I I would think that wouldn't spread because of that alone. I think the only thing that has always kind of struck me as odd throughout the series 
with this is that probably the person who did have a major encounter with Voldemort in his youth really doesn't talk about it him that much at all, and that's Hagrid. Yeah. Mm. Um, Hagrid had a major altercation with Voldemort, and nothing... Hagrid doesn't really talk about Voldemort in his younger yeah, Voldemort years. Voldemort framed him. Yeah. <laughs> Voldemort's the reason he like, didn't and, finish school. <laughs> and knew him and knew him well enough to, to do that. To, mm. to, yeah, to do that. Yeah. You're right. True. That always... That's the... Out of all of the kind of things about people who were around during Voldemort's time, I think that one's the biggest oddball one i guess it could be explained away that hagrid doesn't really like to talk about voldemort in general anyway. and hagrid was young right he was still 12 or so yeah. when he was expelled mm-hmm. yeah so. i think we just tend to forget about that incident yeah yeah as prominent but, as it is but yeah okay one last thing here this is a, a lovely what if um thrown out from rose lumos it says wouldn't it be interesting if tom got caught for either the riddles or myrtle's murder as a teenager would he have ever risen to become Lord Voldemort, or would he have spent his days in Azkaban, rotting away? Hmm. Well, he was only a, a young adult by the time, or a teen by the time he had murdered his parents. So, I don't know if his magic would have been strong enough to get him out of Azkaban by that point. I think uh, if if we can... He did a really brilliant bit of uh, maneuvering with using uh, Morphin's wand and all that stuff. And uh, we knew at that point that he was very charming individual. So I, I think he would have charmed his way out of Azkaban. Be like, uh, oh, hey there, sexy Dementor. Even if he were caught. No, no, no. Well, there's that. I mean, Tom <laughs> and his wife that. are having problems. Tom, Tom the Dementor, not... Tom the Dementor, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> So yeah, many yeah. Toms. No, 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 but I mean, like, he was... Uh, I don't want to say he was, like, well enough connected, but maybe he'd get, like, parole or something. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> not sure. Really not sure on that front. That's a wor- That um, raises a worthwhile question. Does... Do, and I guess... I, I, I don't know if the fact that they follow him to some degree speaks to that, but does Voldemort get properly affected by dementors like other people do or does he just not have enough soul or feeling to even like react to a dementor uh, I, I think mm. everybody probably he would probably like be stuck remembering the orphanage i wonder just when like, considering that his soul the rest of his soul is in different places and that's kind of at the core of how a dementor attacks you i wonder mm. if that would even work well now but not when he was a kid well, he'd already well, split his soul a few times by those, or at least once for those murders. Perhaps. So. Well, I, no, in his sixth year, he's asking uh, Slughorn about Horcruxes, so he doesn't know about them yet. But he, no, he knows that he, he knows. knows about them. He has. He knows at the time when he asks Slughorn? Yes, because he's, he's already made on his one. Finger. He's already made He's a got Horcrux. the ring. It doesn't mean it's a Horcrux yet. The ring is an heirloom. I know Wait. at one point, Rowling said which deaths he caused that that he made horcruxes into but i i didn't think he would be asking slughorn about horcruxes if he already had created it's, one he, he he has see um all the listeners set us straight cuz we talked about this last week rolling has confirmed and it's even in the book that um tom was asking slughorn about what how you make multiple horcruxes not just one so tom had already made one he wanted mm. to know what would happen if he made more that's what he was asking Slughorn about, so. Okay. Yeah. Well, 
Well, there you have it. That is our recap from last week's episode. And we also have uh, some comments from you listeners on the podcast question of the week, which was um, brilliantly covered by Noah. Uh, Thank you, Noah, for stepping in for me. I really appreciate it. And this is... I, I like the way this question is written. This is a very Noah question. It is. I mean, especially when you see Wizard, Wizard God, God, you know yeah. that it's Noah. He got he got a lot of love on the on the site this week. Yes, so he we did. were all happy to have him back too. It was nice. And what the question was that Noah wrote was, "Why does Dumbledore believe Harry has a special knack for getting Slughorn's memory? Does Dumbledore know Harry will use the Felix Felicis? Is he trusting in Wizard God?" Or, or is it possible that Dumbledore is aware of Harry's use of cunning? And I, I believe this can, this question stemmed a lot out of um, the fact that Phineas Nigellus specifically points out that he has no idea why Dumbledore is asking Harry to do mm. this and has no faith in him whatsoever, and Dumbledore doesn't ex- explain himself. Um, and we had some really great insights from you listeners. I really wish I could have included more comments this week because I was just blown away by these responses. But I did have to just pick a few. And the first one I picked was from Hufflepuff Skeen, who said, Perhaps Dumbledore is also doing this because he wants to give Harry a task. There's been lots of discussion about teaching on the podcast. And here it could be that Dumbledore is interested in moving away from the sort of explanatory, lecture-based, and even experimental teaching he's been doing with Harry in these lessons to giving Harry a task to apply his skills and the information he has gleaned about both Voldemort and Slughorn. It's like giving a student a project to help them learn the application side of knowledge. Further, this is a sort of trial task to get Harry to practice making good judgments and using his resources like Ron and Hermione. Also, based on Dumbledore and Harry's disagreements about Draco and his doings, Perhaps Dumbledore sees this task as a way to redirect Harry's focus from Draco and Snape so that he doesn't get in the way of how Dumbledore is hoping it will unfold. This all gets muddled muddled at the end, but perhaps all these considerations are going into Dumbledore's decisions at this initial stage. So do you guys think he's doing this just to keep Harry out of the way to some degree, as well as some, some form of training for Harry? I like that. Yeah. There was there were yeah, I, there were a I, lot of people who I like the whole the stay thing. away from the Draco and Snape thing. Mm-hmm. Because that obviously causes some contention. Some big problems. Yeah. And there were a lot yeah. there were a lot of listeners who uh suggested n- not even just kind of training for this year, but a lot of listeners put forth that maybe Dumbledore is even knowing that he's going to die, he's training Harry for what he knows is ahead in Deathly Hallows. Absolutely that's the case. How is that? Because Dumbledore, we even know at this point, is even talking to his portrait and telling his portrait things that are going to happen next year. Yeah, but how so. is it actionable, like, to persuade... How is teaching Harry how to persuade people who don't want to be persuaded going to prepare him for the seventh book? There's lots of things that are going to... Pers- because look at all the things he has to do. Does any of it involve, like, persuasion? Well... Slughorn at the end of this book, for one, and without that, book seven wouldn't happen. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but does it, does, but that doesn't, that's a circular, like, does it, does it actually, does what, does his doing this actually prepare him past this moment? Like, yes, this is the most crucial memory that Harry has to unlock, but to answer sort of the question of why is it him, too, does he get, does the skill help Harry in the future after this book? Um... I'd have to have a think on that. I'd have to think about book seven. Yeah, but I'm trying, I, I'm trying to remember I, I, I mean, 
couldn't hurt. <laughs> I don't think I don't yeah. think it's like a skill well, that well, Harry's like, going to be like, it's damn. Interesting. Yeah, because it's because Voldemort was very persuasive, and it's it's interesting, and it bleeds into sort of this chapter as well when we see Harry's first attempt to actually get it from Slughorn. It's basically just to imitate Voldemort nearly exactly, and it's it's interesting that Dumbledore should uh, be the the impetus by which Harry goes and does that and sort of makes himself more like Voldemort. Well, and um, actually uh, looking at kind of what the use of this is in future, I think uh, a great response came from Slytherin NZ. Um, I'm assuming from New Zealand because the NZ is nicely incorporated into the name. Um, Slytherin NZ said, From Dumbledore's answer to Phineas Nigelis' disbelief that Harry could do something Dumbledore couldn't, and the accompanying low musical cry from Fox... I believe the answer is to do with Dumbledore's answer for everything. Capitalize Dumbledore's answer for everything. Trademark. (laughs) Trademark, yeah. Love. Fox gives out those cries in response to Dumbledore's emotions, such as when Harry declares his loyalty earlier in the chapter. In this case, Dumbledore must have known how fond of Lily Slughorn was. And indeed, when Harry succeeds in getting the memory, it is by playing the Lily card. It was by putting... (laughs) That's what we're calling it now. It it was by putting Lily's bravery in juxtaposition with Slughorn's cowardice and playing on his grief at the death of one of his treasured favorites. There may have been an element of cunning involved, but that came from Felix Felicis, not any innate cunning of Harry's. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Harry. Ultimately, I believe that Dumbledore was trusting in love, not wizard god. I love this comment. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Anytime you can talk about Lily, I am all there. And I absolutely think that Lily had everything to do with this decision um, because, um, like, we have Hermione arguing later that only Harry could have done this. And I think that Lily plays into that argument a lot because, yeah, sure, the Felix Felicis spurs Harry on in making that call. But if he hadn't been Lily Evans's son, I don't think – he could have got that memory out of Slughorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think that's absolutely true. I think that, and you know, I I really liked that Slytherin NZ specifically um, cited Fox's cry at the mm. end of the chapter because I love. Actually, that's one of that's that's uh, kind of one of my favorite examples of Rowling's kind of writing because it's not hit you on the head. She doesn't explain to you what that means. It's kind of up to you to decide. Mm. Um, yeah, but she does very lightly kind of imply. Um, and again, you know, this kind of opens up a can of worms about Dumbledore that I don't know if we're ready to get into yet, but, um, I think this, that's kind of one of those moments that makes Dumbledore's motivations and his behavior a little more gray than I think a lot of people often see when we reflect back on the series and how angry people get at Dumbledore. Um, but when Fox, Fox is one of the kind of, other than Dumbledore flat out shedding his one manly tear, that he occasionally will do. Um, it's it's also that he he also Fox is also a giveaway that can't be suppressed. Like Fox usually gives away his emotions as well. Um, so I I think that was a really nice way to tie that into the aspect of yeah Harry's the only one who can do this because of the connection with Lily. Um, now Doctor Animagus said <laughs> um, in the comments I believe now this this goes along 
with the popular Steve Vander Ark theory that Dumbledore knows everything, which is that mm. I believe that Dumbledore knows that Harry has the lucky potion because truly what doesn't Dumbledore know? Slughorn most likely bragged about Harry's supposed amazing potion skills. Do you do you think that Dumbledore actually knew about the Felix Felicis? Do you think he was banking I think on it's, that? I do think it's highly possible that the staff does know about Harry getting the Felix Felicis. Yeah, I think that if mm. Slughorn was making that something that could be used in sporting events on quizzes, tests, things of that nature, he would have to tell the other professors. Oh, that's a good that's point. Too. That's that's like one of those things that you tell other teachers. Like, hey guys, it's like <laughs> it's like the day the dare officer came and like brought pot so that he could um, <laughs> like your dare officer brought pot. Yes, because he lit it. And he said, everybody what? learn this smell. What? That's that's Whoa. How, no, Whoa. He, he said, everybody <laughs> learn this smell. That way you can tell on other people if you smell pot being Your smoked. dare officer lit up in front of the whole class. <laughs> Not like by his mouth. <laughs> but yes, he did. He did light up. I Wow. Yeah. You had much cooler dare officers. <laughs> no, it was not cool. No, no. It's supposed to terrify you, right? It's a terrible smell. I hate it. But yeah. um, but that's what but, I'm saying. That's my point. Yeah. I think that, yes, Dumbledore knew about it. There you go. I, I like, I, I guess uh, that I, because I had, you know, pondered this myself, that Dumbledore might have actually known about the Felix Felicis, and I think it is probably true that he did. But I'm almost more sympathetic to Slytherin and Z's interpretation about Lily and love because I think the narration and the, I think the, the story supports that more. Um, cause the Felix Felicis, like, I feel like Harry, if he had kind of banked on that, if he had figured it out on his own, which I think he might've eventually, if he'd gotten around to it, I think he could have done it without the Felix Felicis. Right. Yeah. All I'm saying is it's po- it's possible um, or plausible that Dumbledore knows about the Felix Felicis. I certainly don't think Dumbledore was relying specifically on Harry because he has the Felix Felicis. Right. Agreed. Which was good that he didn't, because as we will see, Harry will continue to not use it. Um, but <laughs> before we get to that, kind of like the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Harry sucks at using really great gifts that are constantly thrown his way. Great deus ex machinas that people just keep giving him all the time. Um, But before we get on to Harry's lack of Felix Felicis, uh, I just want to make sure and shout out to all of you who participated this week in the podcast question. Um, Again, such amazing responses that I couldn't get to all of them. Uh, And boy, there are some doozies of usernames in here. Uh, A few you know and a few that are new. Bent Wing Snidget. CC Mount Shroud, this kid, Dumbledoreable. Fiendfire. That username is Dumbledoreable. Dumbledoreable. Fiendfire. <laughs> Gryffindora the Explorer. Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> Hogwarts Time Lord. Holly Claire. How am I going to translate this? I see Thestrals. Jay Dozier. Min- Minerva's Tartan Biscuit Tin. One of my pers- my personal favorite of the week, Protego <laughs> My Ego. <laughs> oh my god. That might actually be my favorite of all time so far. Um Puffin Proud, Spinner's End, Susan, the band that needs no introduction. They've taken my wheezy and wizard or what. You all participated and had such great input on the podcast question of the week. Listeners, if you would like to check those out, make sure and go to alohamora.mugglenet.com to read the responses from last week's podcast question. Well, everybody, now it's time for some birthday surprises. Surprise! 
<laughs> Poison, the best kind of surprise. <laughs> is that gonna be your? Is that gonna be your audio clip, Michael? No. <laughs> surprise! Happy birthday, Poison. <laughs> you get to die. You get to die. <laughs> the most unexpected surprise. <laughs> Turn on the spot, feeling your way into nothingness, moving with deliberation. On my command now. One. Chapter eighteen. Two. Birthday surprises. Three. I am. I Anyway, uh, well, everybody, it's time for our chapter discussion, and I, uh, for those of you playing along at home, you realize or you know that at this point, uh, we usually begin the chapter with a summary which talks about the various uh, things that happen. This is, after all, a very happening chapter, Chapter 18, Birthday Surprises. Uh, But instead of doing the traditional uh, points, which we're going to get to anyway because they're broken into the five points that we have for discussion, I simply chose to be a little witty with the summary of this chapter, which is this. Harry will learn something about potions in this chapter, even if it comes close to costing Ron his life. <laughs> Somebody should be writing summaries for Scholastic. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> 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 of the listeners playing at home. Is there an Alohomora drinking game? Or like an Alohomora? Oh, I wouldn't say that. I thought it was more like a bingo. Like uh-huh. a... Like a Lohomore bingo, like Wizard God gets mentioned. Oh, I've won bingo, you know, or like Aaron. Oh, four there's corners. an OG, there's an OGM that day. Yeah, there. Yeah, obligatory genius moment. Uh, four corners is if all the four houses are represented. So they yeah. are in this chapter. Yeah, can't. Tell I feel the, like has... we need to write this down now. <laughs> Having a moment where you can't anyway. tell the difference between Eric and Michael's voices. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Although that's that's a bit subjective. It so is, I don't know yeah. what that's like. I have no problem telling the difference between the two. <laughs> oh, we do though. We we do. Our parents <laughs> do. <laughs> All you have to do is laugh and I can tell you apart. Except when oh, we laugh yeah. exactly well, at the that. same time. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh well, so part of the reason for for doing that uh Harry's going to learn potions is to do with the first point, which is that we have potions class. Hello. And uh, Harry, obviously, so this is the morning after uh, his lesson with, or I don't know if it's morning after, it's, it's, yeah, I think it is, it's after his lesson with Dumbledore, and he comes uh, to one of the first parts of the day is the potions lesson. And for once, it appears, they're going to be learning something about potions that Harry cannot find in his book. Whoopsies. And this is terrifying. What's his name? Gulliamps? Third law is it the the wizard name? I didn't write it down. Uh, Gopalots. Gopalots third. Thank you. Magical law, um, <laughs> which states that the sum of the antidote will be more than the sum of the poisons. This is for for combined poisons. Is it th- and, just to say quickly? Mm-hmm. Isn't that like yeah. that section that I was re- that 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 part where Slughorn and Hermione are explaining potions? I was like, whoa. This is like the most like in depth I think we've gotten yet. <laughs> about like it was blowing my mind as I was reading it that Rowling was like writing this out. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It, it is it crazy. Out. It's absolutely crazy. So if you have if you're dealing with a combined potion, uh, or sorry, combined poison. Yes. Uh, there is not only will you need the antidotes to each of the poisons 
as ingredients. You'll also need a special something, like Slughorn calls it, like a special key ingredient, mystery ingredient, <laughs> uh, which will bring them all together and be an, give it an extra kick and make everything useless. So <laughs> it's it, it somehow, I'm summarizing and paraphrasing terribly, just read the book, it's awesome. I reckon I promise to everyone at home. Write a potions book from J.K. Oh, yeah. wait, she already did. No, it's it's really <laughs> cool. Really, really cool. I was going to say, does Book of Potions uh, give any kind of really cool insight like this, Michael? <laughs> I assume you're the only no. person who's played Book of Potions game. is like, here's a virtual plant. Let's trim the leaves off of it. Leaves are what <laughs> absorb sunlight. Like that, that's pretty much Book of Potions. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame because this is brilliant. Yes, it is. This is absolutely brilliant. Amazing. Um, Slughorn expects the entire class to be able to figure out – first of all, everybody has different poisons, different combined poisons, which is terrifying. <laughs> and everybody has to wear their gloves. Well, I doubt so. none of them are deadly. Well, they're not – no, they're not deadly because a beezer, as we learn, uh, can Wait, cure all of these. What did you say? A beezer. A beezer. <laughs> A bezoar. Bezoar. Beezer? Beezer. Yeah. Can I go to the cupboard and grab the beezer? A bezoar from the stomach of a goat can cure them. And I assume if the po- I assume if the poison were like really bad, it couldn't. But anyway, it's because it, it says what? Most poisons? It'll cure most poisons? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, getting off topic here. Back to it. Um, Slughorn gives everybody different, uh, combined poisons and they all have to be able to accurately predict. Well, first of all, there's a spell to reveal the ingredients, which is pretty cool in and of itself. And then you also have to figure out what that special ingredient is that you have to add. So Hermione (laughs) takes this time, this whole lesson, it's so fun to gloat at Harry. (laughs) She says things like, whoopsie, I guess the prince can't help you on this one, Harry. You need an intuitive understanding of potions. Whoops. (laughs) And she like does That was a good Professor Sprout. (laughs) Thank you. Really, really quite uh, bad. And Harry, if he weren't so distracted by actually trying to figure out what to do, uh, you know, Hermione thinks she's finally beat him. And mm-hmm. at the end of class, um, just summarizing here, of course, read the book. It's awesome. Uh, she has separated her poison into 52 separate ingredients, <laughs> which are all in different vials. This is Hermione. And she's also, the, the, the little magical mystery bit that she's added is a clump of her own hair. <laughs> so, so Hermione has put herself... All into this potion. She into 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 doing this. This is the the hardest she has ever worked in class. And Harry, of course, has perused the entire chapter of his advanced potion making book, mm-hmm. and uh, comes across this the, the entire chapter on antidotes. There's one thing that's written, which is uh, from the Halfwood Prince, and it said, "Just shove a bizarre down or bizarre down their throats." And, of course, Harry goes to the store cupboard, finds a bazaar, doesn't give one to Ron, and presents it to Slughorn, who immediately gives ten points to Gryffindor well, and doesn't even pay attention you know, to Hermione. What I think is great about this moment is that every like Hermione thinks she has beaten Harry, but in reality, she's not going against Harry. She's going against Snape mm-hmm. um, because it's his book, and guess what, Snape? 
wins. So, you know, he, he, she's also going against Harry though. I mean, you do have to recognize like she is, she is kind of, she's Ron's the one who she's not getting along with, but she has taken this opportunity to be really genuinely angry at Harry. Right. But what, but my point is that Harry is not acting as Harry would normally act here. Right. Um, the entire year in potions, Harry is not being Harry. Harry is being Snape. Mm -hmm. And, that's why Hermione never wins. It's because it's Snape, not Harry. If it were Harry and he didn't have that book, guess what? Hermione would win. Yeah, but every time. Um, yeah, it's not. It's Snape. Well, and yeah, but again, point. and I mentioned this in previous chapters where the Half Blood Prince comes up, but more this reread than ever, I find my mind blown that I did not figure out that the Half Blood Prince was Snape because the I book know. is like it's Snape, it's Snape, it's Snape. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it's the, it's so well done how she just kind of writes it off in the narration, like Harry recalling that Snape, you know, recommended Bezoars. Um, so it's it, it's so subtle, but it's 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 at the same time it seems so obvious now. Yeah, Snape is very present in this chapter, considering he only makes one very brief appearance. Mm-hmm. So, Indeedy. yeah, I mean he's kicking true. Hermione's ass in the. <laughs> it is just a shame what is this bs hermione is actually doing the assigned work harry's just pulling tricks like slughorn yeah. even says like this won't even work all the time you didn't even do it right here's 10 points <laughs> like, yeah i just like your face yeah well it's and i i think we we're talking about though earlier the key to unraveling his his memory right which is the lily thing and mm. he, he brings that up quite a bit in the class he's like this is you 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 surely inherited your mother's uh skill and intuitiveness for potions oh ho oh ho oh ho is it santa is he santa he's definitely santa but yeah like he's very distracted by his uh personal pride and whatever like it doesn't even say that hermione succeeded is the real is my issue with the whole thing yes well it says that nobody completed the assignment right i mean but she clearly came the closest but even though Gryffindor gets 10 points out of this whole ordeal, it's not – he doesn't even look at her potion. He literally goes to everybody else in the entire class except for her because when he gets to Harry, who's second to last, he gets distracted. Yep. Poor Hermione. Stupid. So Hermione, small violin playing for her. Um, <laughs> Harry did approach her though uh, before class about approaching Slughorn and he actually told Ron first – which was kind of a mistake because when he let slip to Hermione that he's been talking to Ron and Ron <laughs> didn't think it would be a terrible idea or very difficult at all, she said, oh, what does Juan Juan think about this? It kind of gave her another opportunity. She's to... very childish in this chapter. A little bit. A little no, bit not better. a little. A lot. You know, they're on the mend. They're, it's going <laughs> to get better. I mean, it's a, I mean, that's the thing. Hermione has the tendency to go um, – what's the word? Um – Overboard? No, um, juvenile, a lot. And I know that they're only sixteen, really? but she goes juvenile a lot. The way she reacts to situations and the way she treats people, it's 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 pretty juvenile sometimes. Hmm. I well, was going to especially say, when you've known someone five and a half, six years. That's like, funny, just because well, I was going to kind of give her an, a pass on this one because I feel like she doesn't do this a lot. Like she used to do this a lot more around. Books one and two. 
Um, Come on, she's not talking to one of her best friends because of who he's dating. Like if you like if you love well, somebody, like I, I personally, I, if well, you, I think it's really absurd. Oh, sorry, I let you finish. Okay, Kanye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I just think that, you know, if you love somebody and they're dating somebody else, you still want to be near that person. And I just think it's a little juvenile of her to just cut him out and then get pissed off at Harry when he even mentions his, mentions his name. I don't know. It just... Well, okay, that part is... I was just going to say, like, I think she tried to stay around and, like, keep it up for a while and then... With Ron and Lavender just getting increasingly more like gooey and disgusting, she just couldn't take it anymore, and she kind of snapped. Mm. Like yeah. that's the kind I, of way I, think I Harry read it. Is the, Harry is that connection, though. Harry's the Harry is exactly how she stays connected to Ron is by still being Harry's friend because Harry is mm. still being Ron's friend. It's like they've done this in the past where they know that this structure exists. Where I think that's exactly how Ron and Hermione are able to pull this off for so long the whole not speaking to each other thing. But for Hermione and whether or not it's juvenile, like I think the thing is if Ron were dating someone else, then yeah, it would be a little juvenile. But Ron is just, it's just kissing. It's just Wait, physical. you don't know that. It's absolutely. I know that because <laughs> of, of the events that perspire in this chapter and, and what follows how there's actually no substance to their relationship or over Christmas when she gives him a necklace that says what my sweetheart or my beloved and he just completely laughs it off. It's because that doesn't exist. The, this this fact that he might actually <laughs> like lavender as a person is way not in his vocab. I think you're it's, give. I think you're giving Ron a little too much credit. I think he doesn't like the necklace because it's hideous and embarrassing. Ooh, I don't see, think it's, I'm, well, he I'm, wouldn't find it embarrassing if he liked her. Yeah, like no. if he actually, if he thought she okay. was actually like a nice girl who so. would, would cherish his wearing it, I'm sure he would have sucked it up and wore so it. So I'm gonna call your girlfriend and tell her to get you a big gold necklace that says "My Sweetheart," and you better wear that every effing day, every effing day, because you love her and you've been with her for years. I'm talking. Eric's about... like, I've already got one, and I'm wearing it. Right yeah, now. I've already got one. I do actually wear it all day. Thank you very much. Um, no, Kat, what I'm saying is like, it's only physical with Ron and lavender and that's what hermione is rightly uh guffawing about here and, and and the fact that it is a joke it's a caricature of of male and human male and female relationships uh to 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 do what they're constantly doing it's 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 a joke it's an absolute it's a grotesque depiction of of boyfriend girlfriend stuff to, to to see them in the common room wrapped as one on top of each other all the time and knowing that they're not even uh getting very far and all that stuff. So it's like, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. I just think. Yeah, no. And, and so I don't think it's that, I don't think it's juvenile for, for Hermione to, to be upset about it. I think it's actually just really ridiculous for Ron to be this caricature of, but you don't know what happens when Ron is not with Harry. Okay. You have, you don't know. Okay. This is stretching, but you don't know that they don't have intellectual conversations in the Gryffindor common room. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. Oh. No, you don't know that yeah, because it's not. No, you well, don't. Well, see, but that okay. So that that I think uh, there. I think there's truth to both sides of this, which is that Hermione is acting juvenile, but I think she's justified in her juvenile behavior um, because, uh, as far as Ron and Ron and Lavender go, yeah, Hermione, like you said, Cat, Hermione isn't seeing what like like harry's not saying what ron and lavender are up to hermione's not either so she has a very surface view of this relationship and um at the same at the same time i think hermione going after harry 
is understandable in this situation too. Like, again, it might be juvenile that she's taunting him about it, but Harry has been cheating all year um, and not doing the work himself. So it's, it's a, it's a double-edged issue here, I'd say. He's allowed to be mad at Harry about the work, but all he does is mention Ron's name, and she's like, rah, 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 and runs away. <laughs> That's juvenile. Yeah. But she does give Harry good advice. She thinks, she understands that Slughorn wanted to keep that memory from Dumbledore for a very good reason, and she urges caution when approaching Slughorn. She says that she doesn't think it'll be all that easy the way Ron did. She actually gives Harry advice. She actually responds to his question. She helps him out yeah. by no, saying, she gives I mean, him probably, the right. you should probably be more careful about it. That's true, and I'm not discounting that. I mean, that's entirely true, but she, I mean, I, sorry, I just, I have no love for Hermione in this moment. Well, so. I do. Uh, but I've, yeah. I've, been, I've been in her position, so that's why I... Mm, same. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Wait, you had a friend that you had a friend that had a battle of Dark Lord and you had to tell him how to get a memory? That is exactly what happened. I mean, yeah. Hasn't everybody, Kat? No, I, I guess I'm too old. I guess that's a thing from the 90s. It was a 90s thing. Yeah, 90s thing. Cool. Like Casper. um i mean so we get we get this uh situation as i mentioned uh earlier on that is very very reminiscent of the memory itself uh that harry saw in the chapter previous which is he's alone in class it's after class slughorn says oh you should probably go you'll be late for your class and he says i was wondering what you know about horcruxes and Harry gives away a lot of stuff. He gives away that he has seen the memory. I mean, Slughorn guesses that's his first response is, you've seen the memory. Dumbledore showed. Well, then you know that I don't know much further about him and this, that, the other thing. And he, he tries to defend himself, but... Yeah, what was he thinking? Honestly, like, I'm just going to repeat everything Voldemort said word for word, and surely <laughs> he will tell me. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a good question. I like how similar those moments were, though. I love it. No, I do, too. I love how... And I like I lo- that Harry even says, you know, feel, like, that he felt like Voldemort when he was saying it. Oh, Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a lovely... I think this is, you know, and I know a lot of our listeners have very strong feelings about the movie, but I think the movie even pushes this even better because there's Mm -hmm. just there's visual comparisons to the scenes as well the way that the scene is shot with harry asking slughorn they shoot it almost exactly like how they shoot yeah yeah, tom asking him which Mm -hmm. is brilliant um but i in terms of spooking yeah in in, in terms of spooking this man that twice in his life (laughs) he's by by extremely important people as students he's been asked this one question the same question that like ends up being like the very I, I want to say like the um <laughs> I wanted to do a back to the future reference like it's it's the time space continuum it's the whole origin of the the universe upon Ooh, which everything else I'd, is built I'd get that now <laughs> you would get that now cuz you've seen it um but no like the fact that this could happen twice the slughorn is really chilling I think Yeah no I, Ooh. I it, it, Yes, Kat. What were you going to say? No, you go. Oh, I can throw mine in any time. Oh, no, I was just going to say what I think. Uh, the other thing that I love about how the movie does it, what I find interesting about how the movie does it, is that the movie shows, it, when Harry asks, he actually gains some headway for a while. He actually st- starts to get Slughorn to butter up, but then he keeps going the same track that Voldemort did, and that's when he loses him. Um, yeah. In this, Slughorn gets it right away. 
And he's like, oh, hell no, and bolts. Um, <laughs> but, and the reason, I, uh, the reason I like that in the movie is because, and, the, and I think what the book is also trying to kind of make clear here is that, you know, we still get these moments where Harry... The, the whole series does a really good job of having moments where Harry is like Voldemort. He behaves like Voldemort. Mm-hmm. He acts like Voldemort. And this is just, I guess, another, you know, now we've just, you know, thinking about how the, if the, for the first time reading this series, we've just been introduced to Horcruxes, at least the term. We're about to be, you know, a few chapters will have it revealed. And Rowling is now working very hard. Again, she hasn't been doing this really strongly since the end of Order of the Phoenix. In fact, she's been trying to disconnect Voldemort and Harry for the, a lot of these chapters. This is kind of the first chapter where she does that again. Um, mm-hmm. where she's connecting Harry and Voldemort again in, in their behavior and their, um, they are both said to have the same kind of charming quality, um, very sociable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I, I've always found that interesting that that connection is dropped at the end of order. And just when we get information about Horcruxes, that connection starts to worm its way back into the narrative. I think it's cause Harry's a Horcrux. Harry's <laughs> a Horcrux. Um, Spoilers! <laughs> and the word choice. Um, the yes. word choice in that sentence where it's like reminding himself irresistibly. Like, that's just such an mm. odd choice, choice to be. No, it's so similar. sexy. It's so sexy. I love that that word is used. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Truly. There's, yeah, you know, we, we know Rowling chooses very carefully how she names characters, how she names spells and potions. And I think this, that's a testament just to her writing talent. Is she doesn't pick words out of nowhere, um, irresistibly, like you said, and mm. that's an unusual word to pick in this instance. But the way that it connects them works brilliantly. Uh, moving slightly forward in the chapter, uh, Hermione, bless her, has gone through the entire library, <laughs> <laughs> including the restricted section. Which is it said specifically? She's just as a prefect, or she's just able to. Go in there now, or I think she probably think just she walks needed... in, and Madame Pince is like, "Eh." <laughs> and <laughs> well, well, she's read every other friends, book you, you see. <laughs> she, she's read every other book three times. I can't very well do yeah. that. <laughs> what am I going to do? Say no? <laughs> say no? You must read one of those books. For she's the probably time. so nice to Madame Pince that she just doesn't care what she yeah. does. Yeah. We do. There is some Madame Pince humor we do get, which is pretty funny. Um, clawing. And all that around as as she does, but um, the only mention to Horcruxes that Hermione was able to find was in a book <laughs> called Magic Most Evil. I love it. We're going to talk about it by not talking about it. Yeah, yeah. of the Horcruxes, <laughs> uh, what is it? Of the Horcruxes, the most evil. We do not speak uh, words to that effect. Let's see where where is it here? Oh, here it is. Um, All I could find was this in the introduction to Magic Most Evil. Listen. Of the Horcrux, wickedest of magical inventions, we shall not speak nor give direction. I mean, why even mention it then? (laughs) (laughs) True. Yeah. I do like that. Um, That's that's pretty funny. No, it's pretty good. (laughs) Well, we learn later that uh, what Dumbledore specifically removed that subject from the library. Well, he was trying to learn all about it too, right? So he's got all yeah. the books on on his like special library <laughs> card. <laughs> he he has them checked out for like the next two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so kind of a kind of a little bit of a 
I don't know, sh- shining the readers on because eventually we will find out what they are, obviously. Um, but in a book called Magic Most Evil, which is said to contain terrible potions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, like first off, yeah. you have to look at the person who checks that out and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Just a bit of advanced research. You know. yeah. Don't yeah, worry, yeah. not going to poison anybody or anything. Particularly considering her mood right now. Yeah. You know that each of these potions is far worse than the bat bogey hacks, which, <laughs> oh, God. which I just think is the most terrifying thing you could do to somebody. No, I, I, um, I, I, in a way, even though it's kind of played off for humor that Hermione can't find it, um, it does make Horcruxes more creepy when you think about it. Oh yeah. So and then yeah, that this book called Magic Most Evil well, won't even well, talk about him. What and you add on that Rowling apparently she claims, and I, I'm I'm assuming this is true because she knows everything about her world. She says that she knows how a Horcrux is made, what the requirements that- are, and she won't <clears throat> say it. Like yeah. she and she said the one yeah. time she explained it to somebody on her publishing team, they almost puked. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's not knowing is kind of even more enjoyable in this instance for as far as the enjoyment of Do the you, book goes. Yeah, it. Ugh. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to think about it. I'm glad, I'm glad that she's smart enough not to tell. Anybody. I hope that is one of the I'm, secrets I'm, she does take to her grave. Go ahead, Joe, take it. That's fine. <laughs> well, yeah, tell yeah, us everything you, you else. Know, exactly. you, yeah, tell us everything else. But you know that somebody's going to try it out there. If she if she, if she reveals it, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Give Somebody's it a shot. Try it. Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Uh huh. Yeah, that's terrifying. So it is terrifying. But she, as soon as I read that, that like the first day that came out when she said that, yeah, I was like, yes, you're you're a genius for not ever, ever saying that. Well, let's go on to a slightly happier subject, which is <laughs> apparition. <laughs> is it though? Is it though? <laughs> Is it a happier subject? Yeah. You get this old wikey twill cross character okay, who well. keeps reciting the three Ds, okay? The first impression of him, this is Joe's writing at its finest. Yeah, it is. Uh, stating how thin and wispy he is. And Harry thinks that maybe that's either from uh, apparating yeah. all the time, <laughs> that he's sort of lost pieces along the way. Or whether you just need to be that kind of person to best yeah. be, to like ideally apparate, to be thin and not really caring a whole Oddly lot Oddly colorless around. with transparent eyelashes, wispy hair, and in- insubstantial air. Yeah. Yep. That sounds to me like there he's over-apparated. Like, that doesn't sound... <laughs> I was going to say, let's divide among ourselves. Who? Do, what, what do we think it is? Do we think that you need to be skinny to, or like, you know, s- kind of a, a thin uh, wisp of a person to be able to best do it? Or do you think he's actually missed some parts along the way? I think he's over-apparated. Think yeah, over-apparated. If that's his job. Yeah, I think he over... Well, mm. because I think the thing that gets me about the description is that he's slightly transparent. Like, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, it says oddly colorless with transparent eyes. Eyelashes. That's that's weird. Still, what does that mean? You can see through his eyelashes. <laughs> that's, that's weird. <laughs> that's that's not normal. I mean, blonde people, you can s- probably see through my eyelashes. Unless he's like metamorphmagus yeah. and he chooses to look that way. No. Oh, maybe. <laughs> mm. Well, I, I think uh, the reason I ask to that as a preface to this discussion point is because if he is if operating all the time. And we know that he's this certified uh, wizard who, over the course of the next 12 weeks, is going to be teaching uh, these these students. Um, you'd think he'd do a better job <laughs> uh, because 
he has we've all been through these classes at least uh m you can speak uh for yourself too about this but we've been through those classes where a teacher has is so excited that they've come up with this acronym <laughs> or this really exciting <laughs> zing words buzzwords that are going to allow you to remember the technique God. um and whether or not they're effective uh these 3 d's destination determination deliberation it's an exciting part of the chapter when these are mentioned however uh the chapter i think go yeah goes ahead like three weeks and it turns out that through these classes through these apparition classes wilkie twycross is still just going on about the three d's (laughs) and this is apparently all he's got he does not really go past this level of explanation for teaching these kids and my big question that comes from this really is harry um for instance has side along apparated with dumbledore and you get something that um clearly you know well isn't properly explained in the movies but in the books you get apparition is the squeezing very unpleasant like your uh, Joe does this all the time. Like even with porkies, it's like your navel has been pulled up over your head. <laughs> you know, really kind of cool, unique feeling. And I feel like if that is real, if that is reality for these people who are all apparating and experiencing the same feeling, there should be words to it. There should actually be Wilkie should be going around explaining to people sort of the origins, why it feels that way that it does. And preparing people for that because sort of how it feels has to be tied into how it – like what actually happens to you when you do it. I imagine that it feels like what Ernie Macmillan is doing, how it says that he's <laughs> contemplating his hoop so hard that his face had turned pink and it looked as though he was straining to lay a quaffle-sized egg. I imagine okay. that's what it feels like. See, yeah, like I, all of you are squeezing. Well, what you mentioned, Eric, about how Harry um, has – side along with Dumbledore before that's what I think Wilkie should be doing is he should give them all a taste of side along Mm. apparition at least to start that's a really good point they're not going to understand it if they haven't even experienced it at all and the assumption from what Harry kind of observes is that nobody really especially because when Harry tells people that he did they all are like oh my god what was it like oh flocking to him right he's he's a subject like he can't even go to bed yeah because they all uh, want to know that at, at that one time because everybody in the whole world is coming to him and well asking. and well i wonder why why doesn't anybody isn't it um susan bones who loses like, her leg oh my god yeah like oh they should gosh. they should be bothering her too yes yeah. Well, yeah, because she's got a way cooler story. She left her leg behind. <laughs> I know. How dope is that? I mean, I don't want it's... to lose my leg. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah, and I love how that's addressed, too. Like, Wilkie's answer to that is, try harder. That wasn't Yeah, quite... yeah, yeah. Your determination is lacking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hello? <laughs> it's like, in the middle of her apparating, she just thought about her homework, and therefore her leg was left behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, okay. That's terrifying. Um, I, I, I kind of, I'm kind of with Harry, even though he's just idly mentioning it so he doesn't have to talk about it anymore. But I'm totally with Harry, where he's just like, oh, I prefer flying. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> come it's, on, it's, it's pretty good when he tells Ron that he doesn't really that it's, he's not putting high stakes on actually completing the class successfully. It's, you know what? I I would work my ass off because there's no way I wouldn't want to be able to apparate. But that's come on, kind of the point. You can't really work your ass if if all the teacher is doing is shouting these three words at you. Like I actually looked up deliberation, and and I don't mean because that's because like I can't guess at what that word is, but I thought there might be more insight after I was reading this chapter, and like it's the fifteenth time that he shouted deliberation. <laughs> uh, I just had to look it up to be like, is this maybe the etymology of this word will allow me to better understand it? No, the definition on Google is long and careful consideration or discussion, or discussion. and it means to consider carefully, like. <laughs> Come on, I'm sorry. That's more than enough for me, but I'm a no, Ravenclaw. No, that doesn't say so. anything about the actual process of physically squeezing yourself out of reality and into reality But you don't else. do the squeezing. The magic does the squeezing. You the only magic have, does the squeezing. You only have to focus on the destination <laughs> and your deliberation, no, and you have to be determined to get there. They all mean the same thing. The, no, these they do These 3Ds all mean that, yes, because if, uh-uh. if you, really, if it's just if it's just about where you're going, like you're saying... Then, de- then destination is more important than deliberation and determination. No, you have to you have to have all three. You have to choose very carefully where you want to go. You have to be determined mm-hmm. to get there, and then you you have to go there. Deliberate. You have to be determinedly. You also, as it turns out, in Susan Bones's case, you have to determinedly be deliberate <laughs> and deliberate determinedly towards your destination that's Maybe what i'm saying like, this is this is completely yeah. pointless words are not going to help you in this situation i think goes through the like three steps and explains each word like he says that the destination is like you know you focus on your destination he says that your determination is to occupy the space like he says like to every particle of your body mm-hmm. so that is why that Susan Bones wasn't determined enough because she wasn't focusing on every particle of her body and deliberation, feeling your way into nothingness. So yeah, like the magic is doing the work, but you're feeling the way like into that like uh, liminal space before you you know reappear. As you, wow, you he guys- does go through. M is a way better teacher than Wilkie Trycross because the way she described it makes me feel like I could actually try it. Yeah. Instead of jumping to the D's all the time, you're right. that does appear once. Like I would, I would probably reiterate that if I were him, but that was, you know what I, I do know. think is funny is that you have to spin on the spot. <laughs> oh yeah, I expected I like fifty, 50 broken ankles like the first, I, well, the the first funny time. Thing is, I totally <laughs> feel like if I were practicing under that direction, I would do exactly what Ernie McMillan did, where is I would like do my pirouette in the air and actually think that I did yeah. it. <laughs> and hop into the... Like, the way he's yeah. describing it is like, he, I, I think you know, because Ernie actually genuinely thinks he did it. So, God, yeah. bless his heart. But like, that's exactly, but that, like, I mean, I, why, why wouldn't he, based on what Wilkie's described? Like, it kind of makes sense that he he yeah. over he compensated by doing the wrong thing i i mean i think to me this feels like th- this feels like so many trainings i've been to at work where it's just like all right here's a quick rundown we only have an hour now try it <laughs> and except mm. like because uh, i love too how harry looks around and like all this when wilkie's like all right give it a shot and all the students are like what we have to do it now we don't even know what to do um, cause I've definitely yeah. been in that situation. That is a well, terrifying I think it's situation. comparable to like driver's ed. Yes, it like, is. 
That's a very good comparison. Like I think, and it's funny because when you're kind of being taught to drive, you have adults who have been obviously on the road for forever and they forget what it's like to be, you know, behind the wheel for the first time. Yes. And they're trying Mm. to explain, well, you just do this. Like, I don't understand how you're not understanding me. Yes. Right. Obviously as a 17 year old or whatever, you're like, I don't know how to do this thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The only major difference there is that you grow up watching people drive. Yeah, well, but wizards assume mm. you you would assume would grow up watching people apparate, and some wizard children might even have experienced tied along apparition. Well, that, unless well, that's you're kind a born. unless you're a muggle born, that's true. But as yeah, we know, muggle borns have unfair. distinct disadvantages and everything. It's not <laughs> yeah, there is a there is a distinct advantage to being because uh, like people with wizard parents would probably have been more likely to side along apparate too. And you're, you're you you would start to see you would start to see a a, a clear like group of people in the whole room who've been to the nether or like traveled through it yeah. before that they have like a familiarity for this non place where you are like for a split second before you into non being, which is to say everything. Oh, <laughs> and that was a good comparison though with driver's ed. Cause I actually remember there. Yeah. Were, oh there yeah. Were... The first, yeah. the first five minutes I spent in a car alone for the first time after getting yeah. my license it was the first time i was alone alone you learn so much, so much. it was amazing yeah, because you don't have yeah. someone yelling at you saying just do this no and i i had that moment when right. harry kind of turned around and looked because I, I i i recognize that feeling that feeling you get in class settings when you when somebody when the teacher tells you to do something and everybody starts kind of looking around and trying to feel out yeah. who in the room knows what to do and who doesn't and they're looking to follow somebody because that happened in driver's ed to me where they took us out to a giant parking lot. And the first thing the teacher asked us, none of us had our even our, you know, temporary permits yet. And he was like, so how many of you have driven before? And I was standing there not raising my hand because I was like, I haven't driven because that would be illegal. And like all the other kids in class raised <laughs> the their trick hand. trick question. Trick question. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I felt like the only person who didn't know what I was doing. I'm sure the teacher was then like, oh, right, you've all backed the cars down the driveways, right? right? <laughs> just that yeah. once, just that once for your, for your, yeah, parents. 10 feet down the driveway. Em, I want you, if I know, I, I have no idea what I would do in the wizarding world, but Em, I want you to become an instructor for apparition because you're, you're <laughs> well, boss maybe. At, at it. <laughs> Apply for that at the ministry. I've spent way too much time thinking about how it works and how it's comparable to teleportation and all of this stuff. So, God. Bit too much thought into it. <laughs> Good. Well, at least you have a set career. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to be Wokey's Wokey's replacement. <laughs> career options are limited in the wizarding world, so I yeah, say go for it. True. That's true. That's Indeed. true. Indeed. Uh, so I think he could be a better teacher summarizing that point. I like Michael's idea of he should have side along apparated everybody first so that they can feel it. Because I feel like a familiarity with the feeling and the sensation would help you achieve it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you don't have Ernie thinking that he's just pirouetted. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, obviously yeah. that's not the same feeling. <laughs> another another option would have been more teachers and having little small groups. Yeah. Um. To like, you it's know, weird because brainstorm. Uh, and- this the heads of houses are there. Yeah. Like, they're, they're just they, there to kind of corral everybody. And pres- yeah. Presumably they can all operate, but they're. They're there to kind of, as you said, cor- cor- corral everybody and yell at Malfoy. And yell at Malfoy, <laughs> which put, I'm glad you brought that back up. On. <laughs> so this this is this is huge uh, here. During this lesson, Harry sneaks over because he sees that Malfoy uh, is arguing with Goyle. Crab. And, oh, with crab <laughs> tomato, tomato. Goyle. Well, tomato, tomato. He's he's arguing with Crab, and Crab. Uh, when Harry gets over there 
Draco says, I don't know how much longer it will take. You and Goyle just do as you're told. What we don't know now uh, <laughs> is that presumably they already have their defenses in place whereby Malfoy goes to the room of requirement, disappearing off the Marauder's map, and Crabbe and Goyle are running around as girls. Yeah. Suck it up <laughs> and woman up, man. <laughs> they're, they're probably – he's probably asking Malfoy, how much longer do I have to keep going out as a girl? You know, yeah. kind of thing. It's weird. Doesn't feel right. Um, and you know, I don't like the stuff. pantyhose. <laughs> yeah, like where are they getting the clothes? No- they was any number. They must of, be the uh, laundry, right? Yeah, like Hermione and, stole from the laundry, yeah, right? I when, suppose. For Chamber of Secrets. It's 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 one of the oddest um, realizations in why well, in the entire series, and the one I'm like. Almost most interested about just because it comes out of nowhere. I'm so sorry. It's never, Emily, it's Emily never asking real. that question just made me think of Malfoy shopping in Diagon Alley with Crab and Goyle for girls' clothes. With Crab and Goyle for girls' clothes. Yeah, and like you're gonna do this because because uh, the Dark Lord is is bidding this. I spent forty dollars on this sweater. Damn it, you're gonna wear it. <laughs> and not just girls' clothes, but like eleven year old girls' clothes. Like yeah. seriously. <laughs> Yeah, this is a pretty yeah, elaborate plan. Who, like, who's which girls are they changing into? There, are they like changing into girls who are actually at Hogwarts right now? That's. I think it's Muggle girls, right? Oh, do they say? did they reveal that? What do they just I go get like a bunch of Muggle girls hair? I feel or like something? it's Muggle that girl is hair. So yeah. funny. Yeah. God. It's it's just the weirdest thing that never gets addressed. So uh, that's happening that, now. <laughs> that's no, well, that that's that's happening now, and that's going on, and. Harry uh, begins at this point, following the uh, the lesson, um, begins pulling out the map, and he he doesn't remember that uh, the the corridor um, for the room of requirement. And once you're in the room of requirement, you're off the map. Um, but he ends up, you know, tr- really trying to figure out where Malfoy is going, and he can't tell him because life for Harry is just too busy. To actually be able to follow Malfoy everywhere you go, he's got Quidditch practice. He's got all sorts of other stuff, and so really until the morning of uh, what's it, it's Saturday morning, which is Ron's birthday, March first. Uh, March first, Harry spends a great deal of his time kind of following Malfoy, but then March first rolls around, and Ron gets a really good punch in uh, to Harry. Which it's a punch that still hurts while I read it. Like it's still in the just ear. Like, man, you just, you don't expect it's in the yeah, ear. Really throw you, you don't loop. you don't expect it. Um, you know, kind of just a summary. Summarize up for timing, but what a testament uh, to Harry is their friendship that Harry doesn't punch friend, him back. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he goes on the defensive, but he realizes there's this line like. Ron's real self wouldn't like would be embarrassed if it were him going on about yeah. this. So he just like Harry totally sees the humanity of it all and is just like, oh, this is flawed. I'm not going to be angry at you. Yeah, the one time Harry doesn't act like a prat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. But um, <laughs> I mean, he gets he gets him off to Slughorns and Slughorn <laughs> and ruining answers. Ron's relationship with Lavender on the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, oh man. Um, I, I just love the part where he's like, is she hiding? Is he hiding her from me? Harry? Where is she? I don't see her. He must be hiding and her. And Slughorn plays along and he's like, you look so handsome. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Slughorn <laughs> plays along almost to the point like he's seen this before. Like, <laughs> yeah. I bet he has. I bet he has. Many Hogwarts just in what, what I love about it is that he says that uh, was were the love potions in date because they get stronger the longer they're in the box. Yeah. Yeah. And these oh, are clear. Man. Like, he had half a box of these chocolate cauldrons, one of which would probably have done the trick when they were in date. Uh, and now <laughs> that they he ate half a box and that they're months old, at least three months old, uh, or maybe closer to like two and a half, but months old, uh, Ron has the situation. But Harry gets to use his, his – his, he does learn something about potions as, we, as it turns out. He knows about bazaars now and he runs and gets, and gets Ron one. Um, but Ron's worries are, as we learned, far, far from over, unfortunately. But yeah, this this whole I, – I, I like how – I mean it's a tail end – or no, it's not a tail end. It's a tailspin, um, right? Because Ron goes from being drugged. Harry eventually realizes what has happened, which is – which is like clever Harry moment one, um, to the fact that they uncork this bottle of oak-matured mead. Uh, which had been meant to be going to, to Dumbledore. But, oh, what the headmaster doesn't drink, he can't miss, <laughs> right? And uh, and eventually, um, I mean, it just, the, the, the actually, as the chapter ends, Ron is gasping uh, for, like, life. So mm. Yeah, the chapter actually ends terrible. with the possibility that Ron Not could Not just be gasping, but limp and still. Yeah, he could be dead, by the way it's written. I remember being like, Oh my god, yeah. I have to keep reading. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Which is like, it's such yeah. a good thing that the next page yeah. is and only I... a page away. <laughs> that's yeah. not the part where you go, well, that's enough See, for tonight. See, I have, I have the American version and the UK version. And the in the American version, you've got it like directly on the next page. But in the UK version, you have to turn it to start mm. reading again. And I remember <laughs> a split second of actual like terror like, do I want to turn this page? Is Ron dead? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the next chapter is chapter nineteen is Ron's funeral. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's that's how it is. Um, when Snape goes Avada Kedavra in the yeah. U.S. edition, yeah. you have to turn yeah. the page, and it's like, oh, wait, 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 wake up from the dream. Yeah, <laughs> scary. Yeah, no, it, it, well, it's another great moment. Again, Snape is so present in this chapter, and even though he's only physically present once. But it's Harry remembers that Snape told him that on his first, yeah. you know, few yeah. days in school about the Bezoar. Um So it's and Snape's Snape saved Ron's life, I guess you could technically say. But Harry um, finally had instance, like an inkling. So, Harry was you know, finally intuitive about two for potions. two. <laughs> he was. Finally, <laughs> he did it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one time. Yeah, he did a good. Well done. Well, well done, Harry. Yeah, and I, I it is. You know I, what you were saying, Eric, about how like that that quick shift in tone, where you know we're we're laughing at Ron being drugged, and then at the end it's like, oh my God, Ron's dead. Like the I know a lot of our, you know, we we've we've talked about this throughout the chapter discussions, but I know a lot of our listeners are split on their feelings of Half Blood because of that, because I the love chapters that constantly do that. In this book. Yeah, same. I think yeah, it works really so well. Cool. Like, yeah. What? What are you, and What are your kind of more thoughts on that? Because we get a lot of our listeners kind of 
strongly uh, yeah. strong feelings about the tonal shifts in Half-Blood. I really like Half-Blood Prince and I actually really love that tonal shift like you say um, because I think you know every time a new movie was coming out they're like oh it's so much darker oh it's, we're going the darkest <laughs> you can possibly get but whereas with when you have Half-Blood Prince the actual book <laughs> and I think the movie kind of does it pretty well is you have this sense of there is dark but there is comparative light to all of the dark so you can emphasize the dark more by how light some of the sections are and that's why you get so shocked by ron is because you've just come Mm. off this high and it's straight into dark like it becomes so much more influential Mm. and like you can get more emphasis i don't know that's just (laughs) that's how i feel yeah Mm-hmm. No, that's a that's a great way to put it. I think that's a great way to kind of unlock why Rowling mm. chose to do this. Because um, I I see, you know, of course Rowling loves has professed her love for Agatha Christie. And listeners, if you haven't pick pick yourself up an Agatha Christie, they're they're really good. They're they're not just like the uh, you know factory churned out mysteries. Mm. She knew what she was doing. And Agatha Christie mysteries are very much like Half Blood Prince is probably. Yes. Very, a good comparison in writing style because um, Agatha Christie was full of a, she had an amazing sense of humor and her amazing sense of humor is what I, like like M just kind of unlocked here unlock kind of was what made her her mysteries so dark um, is because the, the, the humanity goes to such dark places in Agatha Christie's novels but there is a lot of really rich humor in those books um, and I think that might just be what works so well here, because I think I personally feel that Half Blood Prince actually has some of the most most unnerving moments oh, in the series by far. Yeah, I I wouldn't um, I don't know because like I was gonna say as my response that this book doesn't get near as dark as uh, Book Five when Harry hates everybody and everything. So like as long as Harry is like mildly in a capacity to enjoy life, I can enjoy a book about him. Which is like why I love this book, and I don't love book five. This is is like, it Harry's in a good mood for some? Yeah, of the yeah. Time. If anything, like if anything can happen to him and the people that he loves, that's fine. As long as he's like generally not a snot, like then. Oh I my know... god, we went through this. He had to go through the ego <laughs> stage. No, no, no. Nobody's saying he didn't have to. I'm saying now that that snottiness is over, he wasn't he... a snot. He's okay. Well, See, anyway, I guess maybe that's just a personal thing, but because I find. I find the revelation and the concept of Horcruxes to be one of the darkest things Rowling came uh, yeah. up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, assu- I mean, I assumed it was something. Like, it's got to be something terrible, right? He's the darkest evil wizard ever. I Well, and like, I guess it's just that, you know, when you... I think with a lot of fiction, there's plenty of fiction out there, juvenile and teen fiction, where the dark thing is revealed, and it's very stereotypical. Like, mm. it's, she took it a step further, I think, than most juvenile and teen fiction writers mm. normally would mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this this book succeeds and really, I think, is at its stride when it's building up the old memories and, and yeah. kind of painting a portrait of Voldemort, basically of defining how the Darkest Wizard ever came to be. Like, mm-hmm. that that's where this book succeeds, mm-hmm. but although there is quite a lot of humor. Um, and I think that's what, like what M said, I think that's why, though that succeeds yeah. so well is because with those immediate shifts in tone right because you've got this the, huge like the relationship book this is the yeah. relationship book well and I, uh, yeah and i think it, it i think it hits harry in the narrative like he kind of has especially by the end of the book when dumbledore gives his very impassioned speech to harry 
Um, but I think, you know, that, that, that idea that Harry kind of, <clears throat> he's going through these trivial uh, moments of teenage life that are very typical and expected. And then I think he has, he frequently finds himself weighing that against his ultimate task that mm. is so huge. Um, like I have to go kill somebody. Yeah. Um, this book feels a lot lighter than books five or seven to me. Mm-hmm. But- yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, obviously, with like notable exceptions being like Septim Sempra, which is just like, oh my god, what have I done? You know, oh god. I mean, notwithstanding that, if she had written, I think one that was more tonally uh, comparable to Order of the Phoenix, I think that would have been harder for readers to stomach. Yeah. Um, especially the target audience she was going for. Um, maybe not for this older is, readers, but definitely this for This is the book, audience. honestly, due to its humor, this is the book that saved Harry for me, I think, because of book, yeah. because I was so put off by book five because it was so not like this. It wasn't mm. fun like this is. Mm-hmm. This book is very, very, very fun. Yeah, I um, felt the same way. I didn't realize until you had said that a few episodes ago, Eric, but I had a, I, when I realized and thought back about it, I had a falling out with Harry Potter um, around the Order of the Phoenix era. I wasn't... Uh crazy yeah into like it. i i can't track like a specific that i remember falling out but i know that after reading book six i was way back in the game yeah me too about mm. how because it was very because it reminded me of why i loved books one through four mm-hmm. um there was just something about it it's non-quantifiable but i i felt it again and then i i it's part of it is her writing and how brilliant the whole backstory and everything is fits how the pieces fit together how Dumbledore leads Harry on the whole Voldemort thing and is able to surmise everything that Voldemort ever did even though he doesn't have all the pieces uh you know perfectly it just it's just like I was meant to believe I was like this is awesome um so yeah book six for me is really just all about the I I I I, it's hard for me I, I agree that it's dark but I always forget that about this book because it's it's so light and so brilliant at times. It's I'm like, gonna that, hold. That's interesting M's to me. Ex- I was I, uh, sorry, Em. I was just gonna say. I just wanted to say that I'm gonna hold your explanation up on a pedestal forever because that was the best explanation <laughs> yeah. I've heard. Oh yeah, awesome. <laughs> but go ahead. Well, dear. I was just go gonna ahead. say that it find I find it interesting that um, Eric that you think it's so comparable to one and four because I was actually um, thinking how contrasting they are in terms of the darkness. Like you go from this kind of really juvenile. Um, you know, the villain is a giant snake and a werewolf, like really classic kind of scary things to yeah. Half-Blood Prince is really like the capacity of human darkness, like Sectumsempra, like Horcruxes, like even in Fury, you have these things that come up that are just, oh my gosh, I can't believe people are using magic in this way rather than mm-hmm. there's magic that's bad. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that's the kind of way that um, Half-Blood Prince feels so much darker to me because it's what wizards are using magic for and you just mm-hmm. go, the capacity of human evil is just like, oh. and, and that's why Order of the Phoenix is so important in the series because you learn there's a lot of setup for that feeling yeah. in Order of the Phoenix. Oh, yeah. I can definitely so. see that, especially with the ministry and the... the, mm-hmm. the uh, Department of mm-hmm. Mysteries. I usually compare Half-Blood tonally to, and this is also partly a bias on my part, but um, a prisoner. Absolutely, um, I, yeah. I think the uh, the kind of inner demons of various characters are explored a lot, the past is explored a lot, and the Dementors, I think, are very comparable. Mm. 
um, yeah, to book, a lot of things in this book. Yeah. Books three and six are my favorite. Which is interesting because it's like Sirius's book and Snape's book. Like, what does that say about <laughs> yeah. the character comparison? <laughs> there you go. That's very true. <laughs> no, but like, for, for, for instance, too, like in a previous chapter, uh, when um, Rufus Scrimgeour comes over, right? And, and mm-hmm. it asks Harry to be... And all Harry needs to do is show him his hand, his scarred hand, from the entire previous year mm. when he was tortured by Umbridge, which we had to read about grievously for 38 chapters. And all mm-hmm. he's got to do is show his hand. And we know exactly where Harry's at for his this entire subplot of Harry's going to blow off the ministry now for the rest of this book is all because we've already read all the crap that they've put him through. And it's just like a nice yeah. footnote, like a nice reference, like, oh, yeah, that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, we won't easily, quickly, soon forget that. But we don't have to read about it in this book because it already happened in the previous book. So I think because of those reasons, like this book is a bit lighter mm-hmm. than 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 five uh, because you can just throw it back to all. Oh, look at this terrible stuff he's already been through, and you don't need to feature that in this book. This book can be more focused on the mystery of who Voldemort is and Ron yeah. dying, <laughs> and Ron when nearly Ron dying. dying. <laughs> yeah, no, I think because I think what M said kind of brings that out perfectly. Because there is, I mean, there is humor to be sure. There's pretty great humor in Order of the Phoenix, but I think it's not quite as the shifts aren't at, as extreme as right. they are in Half-Blood, so I think that is what makes it, for me as a reader, more effective. I think I should probably be speaking on a more personal level, but um, uh, but yeah, I think that's per- perhaps what makes the, the tonal shift work for yep. me. Well, I am going to bring a close to our chapter discussion that ends, thus ends birthday surprises. Surprise! Ron's dead. <laughs> 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 so... Another surprise for you listeners, a podcast question of the week, or maybe not a surprise. <gasps> oh, I see what you did there. A surprise, but a nice surprise. <laughs> surprise, Ron's dead. Or is it? Yes, a surprise, Ron's dead, and we're going to think about that with the podcast question. We're going to bring it down a notch, because this chapter has been entirely too enjoyable. Um, yes. So, my podcast question for you listeners this week is, as Rowling revealed, she considered killing Ron off. And at this chapter's conclusion, Ron comes as close to death as he ever would. Would this have been the place to kill Ron? If not here, where in the series would this decision have best served the narrative? When selecting a point for this event, be sure to consider the effects on the characters and the storyline as a whole. And if you so feel the urge, listeners, feel free to write Ron's eulogy. (laughs) please do we will we will read at least one next week um if you write them (laughs) but yes to answer that question just head over to alohamora.mugglenet.com and submit your answers for the podcast question i can just see the epitaph on his grave beloved juan juan (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome um well, this I uh, want to thank you, M, so much for joining us. We hope you had a really great time. Oh, yeah, I did. Thanks so much for having me on. It was the highlight of my week, really. <laughs> of course. Well, of course, because now she knows what to apply for at the ministry. 
Right. She's, yes. we've, we've set out her ministry career path. She's, she's going to be making See, so makes, much money. What, that makes like two of us, right? My ministry career path is the wand wearer at the uh, security <laughs> desk, right? That's right. <laughs> I know what I would do in the wizarding world because Joe wrote me in. Well, if you would like to be on the show and also find out what your ministry job would be, uh, go to the be on the show page at alohomora.mugglenet.com. Uh, if you have a set of Apple headphones, hey, M is using Apple headphones, aren't you, M? <laughs> yeah, sure am. <laughs> so they sound and look as sporty as M looks right now. <laughs> uh, you're all set. Uh, no fancy equipment is needed, just basic recording stuff. Uh, part of the part of the step process is that you'll send us a sample, so we'll make sure it's good. Don't worry. Uh, just visit our page, and while you're there, download a ringtone for free. And in the meantime, if you just want to keep in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at MN. That's three O's, two A's, by the way. Facebook.com slash what? How many M's? Uh, two. How many N's? One. How many L's? <laughs> One. Okay. What about A? <laughs> two. I already said A. Oh, oh, man. I just wanted to make sure. Trick question. <laughs> yeah. All right. Facebook.com slash open the Dumbledore. That's two O's. <laughs> open and Dumbledore. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. On Tumblr at MN Alohomora Podcast. Actually, you have Facebook.com spelled out and the O is in Dumbledore. Oh, shut up. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Don't forget our phone number is 206-GO-ALBUS. That's 206-462-5287. And you can always leave us an audio boom. It's free. All you need is an internet connection and a microphone or... Apple headset. I swear to God, we're not paying. They're not paying us, guys. I swear to God. Yeah, that's not uh, even a bullet point. You just threw in the app, the second you're Apple You're right, I reference. did. I did. I, I just threw it in. You, I just threw it in. Maybe they are. Uh-uh. <laughs> but, um, so there's a little green button in our right-hand menu on the webpage. Just click it. Keep your message under 60 seconds. Send us a question, a comment, a story. Ron's eulogy. <laughs> oh, send us some Ron's eulogy over audio boom and we'll play <laughs> that. Beautiful. Um, put, some, put some music together, some nice organ music. Make it really cool. And um, we'll play them on the show. We have to dedicate ten minutes to that next episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you played like Lily's theme under that, dang! Oh that, no, the tears would flow. So many no tears. Po- no tips. No pointers. <laughs> <laughs> and now you have to do that, Michael. <laughs> now I have to do it. Now I'm obligated. Um, but also, listeners, make sure to check out our Alohomora store, where we have lots of products, including house shirts. Uh, shirts themed after and products themed after all of our inside jokes like the Desk Pig, Mandrake Liberation Front, Minerva is My Homegirl, and so many, many more. I'm afraid we're not selling spiked cauldron cakes at the moment, but so many other things to entice your potential romantic love. And of course, (laughs) don't forget, there's the smartphone app. It is available all over the muggle world. If you can't get it, you're magic. <laughs> what's the pause for? I, I wanted to give, I wanted to give it a proper dramatic uh, gravitas. Oh, okay. If you can't get it, you're magic. <laughs> it's available on this side of the pond and the other. Prices vary. Of course, we're still talking about the smartphone app. Transcripts, bloopers, alternate endings, host vlogs, and more can all be found on this smartphone app. For more information, visit our website. Uh, This has been a blast. I will talk to you all later. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Michael Harley. And I'm Kat Miller. Thank you for listening to episode 136 of Alohomora. Open the Dumbledore. 
Emily, are you in the dock? Yes, you are. Okay. Uh, the secrets are revealed. Every episode of Alohomora that you've ever listened to has just been one bloody bullet point after another. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating <laughs> to look at. I'm actually really interested. <laughs> she was cool, like, oh cool, my cool. god, I thought you guys made this all up on the spot. <laughs> nope. nope. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> You just memorize the chapters, right? No. We've we've yeah. only mentioned Google Docs like on almost every yeah, episode ever. That's yeah. weird. <laughs> because it. one of us to screw with the other person, one of us puts something funny in there. Yes, yeah. But mostly Eric that. does that. That's very no, I'm taking over from predecessors that did it all the time. Ah. That's true. <laughs> Open the Dumbledore. <laughs> that, wait, that's it? <laughs> Is she in there, Harry? Is she in there? That was quite I don't a know, Ron. Let's see. Let's open the Dumbledore and find out. <laughs> open the Dumbledore. Spelled O. How many O's? <laughs> Two. Open the Dumbledore. Two O's. Four E's. One U. <laughs> Good call. Good call. <laughs> Goodness. Okay.